Welcome to More Than Words, a podcast about treating the whole child brought to you by the Reading and Language Learning Center. I'm your host, Tristan, and today I'm joined by singer and vocal music educator, Wesley Diener, to discuss teaching language through music. Hi, Wesley. How are you? Hello, Tristan. I am wonderful. How are you? I'm great. We're so happy to have you here. And I want to just give people some background to Wesley and I. Wesley and I went to school together and it was absolutely wonderful. So I'm really excited that you're here. Well, I'm excited to be here and I am honored to be talking about this with you. Yeah, we're so excited. So just start by telling everyone who you are. Fabulous. So I am first and foremost, the owner and operator of WD Studio, which is a voice studio that works with singers and voice users of all ages um, and experiences to develop their voices. Um, In addition to that, I am an opera and musical theater singer and performer. So Tristan knows that when we went to school, we um, we're studying music together. I yeah. studied music and theater at the University of Virginia and have gone on to perform across the country and internationally in operas and in musicals. Um, now I split my time between Chicago and DC and am traveling all over to perform and to see my students perform and to get to work with new voice users all over. Oh, that is so much fun. I, oh, I absolutely love it. I love hearing I've, about the studio because it just makes my makes my heart really happy because um, you're doing something so much that's just so much fun. Yeah, it is. It is fun. Is number one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you said you are in Chicago, and if people were looking to find like WD Studio, where what would they do? That's a great question. We are at wdstudio.org. And everything we do is online. Um, so you can click around the website, um, see what we offer, which is mostly individual voice lessons, which can cover anything from singing to speaking to questions that you have about your voice. Um, and there's pl- plenty of ways online to get in touch with us. So if anybody wants to connect with us or with me, we'd be more than happy to meet you. Fabulous. I'll put the link to your website in the um, show notes so people can quickly find you guys. Amazing. Perfect. Well, let's just hop into, let's hop into all the questions. So first and foremost, what is WD Studio and what's the, what's the goal, main goal? Great. So, so WD Studio is a virtual voice studio. The hope of it or the The vision is to bring all of the heart and the soul and the impact of a community voice studio. So many singers out there have fond memories of um, their neighborhood voice teacher or community voice teacher and the community and the camaraderie and the inspiration that comes along with that. Um, So we take the heart of that experience and we brought it online so that we can reach singers all across the country. It's common that great musical and vocal and artistic instruction is concentrated in big metropolitan areas Mm -hmm. and the communities around those. And it's really exciting to be able to connect with singers and voice users truly all across the country, all across the world, really. So we have clients in at least 10 different states now, and we have teachers across five different time zones. Um, So in some ways, the sense of community, while it's so different and very modern, um, it feels stronger than ever because we're all coming together 
across time zones, across states, sometimes across countries to connect and to share in really good functional vocal training. Yeah. Oh, that is really cool. I did. I don't think I realized it was five different time zones that you had um, for, or five different states you said for instructors. We have five different time zones. We have five instructors oh currently, oh. and each instructor okay. happens to be in a different time zone. That is so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and you can, that's really cool because you can reach so many people that way. So that's awesome. You've said that you have a wide range of like vocal users that you work with. So what's the age range that you teach? Is it massive? Is it tiny? What's the deal? We really have very few limitations. I would say the only limitation is on the youngest of young singers. So we right now have singers as young as six years old in the studio, and that's a great time to start. Any younger than that isn't impossible, but there's plenty of musical activities to do elsewhere that are probably going to be more enjoyable and therefore more um, impactful for those true youngsters. Uh, But we have singers ages six to about 80 right now in the studio. And there's no reason we couldn't push higher on the age. Right. Wow. <laughs> um, and our, our first and foremost, our goal is to inspire and empower all of these singers and all of these voice users. I say voice users because there's so many ways we use our voice right. um, in day-to-day life that we can optimize for various reasons, whether it's in the workplace or just in our interpersonal communication. So. Most of our students are singing with us, but uh, not all of them are. It's exciting to expand into um, working on voice for the professional workplace in particular. Um, But our goal is to inspire and empower all of the people that we work with to discover new potential and to develop new abilities in their voice. Um, We believe that everybody is a singer Everybody who has a voice is a singer and therefore everybody can learn to sing better and everybody can certainly enjoy to sing. So that's something I continue to be surprised about is as I connect with new people in different communities and online, oftentimes adults in particular are surprised that we believe that they can sing. In fact, we know that they can sing. It's not just a belief. And um, I've known this for so long that it continues to be a surprise for me when adults are shocked to hear that it could be worthwhile for them to explore their own voices. Yeah. Oh, that is so cool. And for, like you said, for you and for me as well, like we grew up singing. So to us, it just like makes sense. Like, oh yeah, of course you can use your voice, but it's really cool to get that in someone's ear really young. And then also to revive that like love and joy for singing and just like you said, using your voice at any age above, you know, like being in school. Often people don't know that there's the ability to find like music and singing in your community after being in the school system. So this is really cool Mm -hmm. work that you guys Mm -hmm. are doing. Yeah, that's true. And I think you're really onto something, Tristan, with with planting the seed early. Because I have found that oftentimes these adults who are nervous or shy or scared to sing have that feeling because at some point when they were young, somehow it was communicated to them that they shouldn't or can't sing. Um, So it's really special also for us to connect with singers that that are particularly young because we get to start them on a lifetime of singing and a lifetime of enjoying their voice. 
That's awesome. So what does a typical session look like then? How do you get that inspiration planted so early? (laughs) Yeah, it's really going to depend on the student and their goals and what they're working on. But broadly speaking, in every lesson, uh, there'll be a component. Well, first and foremost, a teacher will check in with the student. And that that's really important. Sometimes yeah. our youngsters are surprised that we want to hear so much about them. Yeah. <laughs> but um, singing is such a personal and intimate activity and craft that we take the time to check in, see how they're doing, what has happened in their week. Um, our emotions are very closely connected to how our voices are going to come through. So that's important. We check in and then we warm up and we develop the voice. And I say those two things together very intentionally because they go hand in hand. And oftentimes we think with singing, we think about warming up and then we sing the song. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes we miss something in between, which is really technical development. Um, And interestingly, along the way, sometimes the warm up gets too big of an emphasis over something that would be technical development. So what I say to people then is, you know, if you've been talking all day, which you likely have by your 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. or 5 p.m. voice lesson, the muscles that create sound, the muscles of phonation are already going to be warmed up. Rather, what we need to do is recalibrate or redirect your habits of using your voice to be even more advantageous, even more efficient Um, for singing or for whatever voice usage you are after. Um, So that is the meat of the lesson, typically. That's the center, is we will make all sorts of silly sounds. And the best (laughs) thing about this is that simplicity is key. I'm sure that um, at the Reading and Language Learning Center, that that comes in hand a lot, where um, simple functional exercises are going to be the most impactful, especially those that can be recreated at home. Mm -hmm. So we make all sorts of sounds that seems totally silly and very fun and sometimes a little bit scary because they're vulnerable to explore our voices. There's concepts of chest voice, which is the lower quality of our voice and head voice, which is the higher function of our voice that Mm -hmm. we'll spend a lot of time working on with new singers of any age. And it's really fun to explore that through animal sounds or to explore it through emotions. Um, So we get expression right in there as we're developing our voices. And our goal in technical development is to find the most freedom, efficiency, and ease possible for any singer. It's not to sound better or to sound louder or to sing the highest or the lowest, um, but more so to give a singer the tools with which they can decide exactly how they want to use their voice. That's awesome. I feel like sometimes voice lessons, like traditional voice lessons growing up could be geared towards like what is traditionally wanted of singers. I say that, Mm -hmm. I I think you know what I mean when I say that. Mm -hmm. Like normally you go into a voice lesson and they're like, oh, well, you know, everyone should learn how to sing high. And you're like, what? (laughs) I mean, everyone should learn how to use their voice, like you said. So that's that's really cool. After working on technical exercises, this is where some students, if it's in their own goals to do so, will work on music theory context. They'll work on sight singing skills, right. um, especially our, our kiddos who are also instrumentalists. It's important that they work on those skills because sight singing is very different than sight reading on an instrument. Um, so those are unique skills and we leave space for that especially if a student is interested in those skills, but not always if it's not their top priority. 
Um, and then the last part of the lesson is what most singers are most excited for, which is working on songs, of course. So this right. includes working on songs that we, the teachers, might suggest to the students. We have loads and loads of fun animal songs, food songs, hmm. holiday songs, you name yeah. it. And um, we also have a lot of fun, though, asking our students to bring in songs that they love. Oh, um, yeah. Sometimes they're surprised, like you were saying, Tristan, about traditional lessons. Um some people expect that the teacher's going to decide everything for them. Right. But with singing, it's really important that a singer is thinking about what they love to sing, what they connect with. And we can learn how to sing that whatever music that is better. It doesn't matter what right. the type of music is or what the song is. It just matters that we have one that you love. Right. Yeah. And that's important. I mean, we see that here at RLLC because we'll have kids that come in and, you know, they're really struggling with reading. And so that hurts their self-esteem, right? And it makes them mm. feel self-conscious. And if they have something that is like a comfort to them, like, for example, in October, we had um, this little thing, this Squishmallow called Louie. And he oh. actually is a Squishmallow with dyslexia. And so it was like they had this buddy who was like feeling the same thing that they were. Obviously, it's a stuffed animal, but like, he had a very similar story to all these kids. And so we have them in the offices. And now, now there are some kids that are like, oh my gosh, I have my Louie for my therapy. And because they have that support or that fun thing that they have brought to the session, they're better able to attend. So it's just interesting, like hearing that with you guys as well. Like you're able to, they're able to bring in those songs that they really enjoy. And then it makes their lesson even more exciting and I'm sure they're also better able to attend in their lessons too. That's amazing. I love that. A Louie. We need our, our WD Studio Louis. Although yeah. we, we, in some ways we do, being a virtual studio, we often, most of the time, are zooming into our students' homes. Right. And so oftentimes, actually, I have on multiple occasions encouraged a student to involve a Squishmallow in their singing oh, <laughs> and awesome. their performing or for physical comfort. And so that is something that's great. I think sometimes parents are worried that the home can be distracting, but we right. can harness those those elements that could be distracting and use them to increase engagement. So I love that you all have, you have buddies to help out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a the virtual piece is also good to hear. And I think helps our parents, even though you are doing singing, we are doing like reading therapy. It's a good thing to note that you can have that ability to like take something that would maybe be distracting at home and make it into something that works for the lesson. Um, because some of our parents are like, I don't know, like I watched them do virtual school during the pandemic and that didn't go over well. It's like, well, you know, you've got a 30 person class and that's, of course, that's going to be hard for them to attend in a 30-person class. But if it's just one-on-one -on -one therapy, like it's a little easier, right? So it's good to hear as well. Yeah, that was one big surprise when we moved everybody online a few years ago. We already had some students online. When we moved everybody online, we found that some of the kiddos we thought would have a hard time were really thriving even more online, curiously, than they were in person. And there's something about the comfort and the safety of being in your own space with the focus of having that one person with you in a very controlled space and environment that just clicks for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I think it's just, you know, everyone learns a little bit differently, but I think the, mm -hmm. I agree with you having that 
focused environment is so, so helpful. So what is it like for you guys working with your younger students? Is there like adjustment for like different kinds of behaviors, ability levels, all that stuff? Well, first and foremost, it is so fun working with younger students. And I personally, on my teaching roster, I have more older students and adult students generally. And that's that's where my roster is going. But I always make sure to keep a few youngsters on my teaching days because they just brighten everything around them. They are so much fun. We get to play so much. I learn so much from the young students, especially with singing. They often bring in creativity and fearlessness and surprising choices that inspire me to bring those elements into my own performing and my work with older students, especially adults, because we all need those play elements. Um, So it is a blast to have quick, fun, engaging lessons. We definitely adapt for those students rather than a student who's older. And um, the the biggest priorities are to make sure that the lessons are fun, that they move quickly, right. that they're engaging. Um, we don't typically have any issues with behavior or focus for the reason that you were saying is that when you're one-on-one, you're going to be very engaged with the person in front of you. Right. And a great benefit of being a singing teacher rather than a teacher of even anything else is that most kids love to sing and kids are taking singing lessons because they love to sing. So there's already a passion and there's a love there that makes it really easy and really exciting to work with these students. I would say one thing we do work with sometimes is we might have some shy singers. And so when we have a shy singer, we're going to employ some strategies, maybe like having a Louie, who's a buddy who's singing with them, or we can sing at the same time as a student. We find ways to make music familiar, Mm -hmm. to bring familiar elements into the music making process. And we notice that pretty quickly, the students aren't so shy anymore. Right. So, um, (laughs) and I find that our kiddos sometimes just feel like they need to get to know us and then they can't wait to tell us every single thing about their day and their week and their favorite song and their favorite artist and what they ate for lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) So thinking about different behaviors, we also have some very, very active students. And so we develop some strategies to keep them focused, to keep them thinking about what the curriculum is or what the learning concept is at hand. And we try to use different interactive elements of the virtual platform to keep them focused on the screen, especially if they're distracted with everything that's around them. It's a great time for a screen share and we can draw what we're working on with our voices. Um, And we also do lots of lots of challenging and imitation and back and forth, lots of vocal silliness and stretching. Yeah. So with, with the little ones, it's all about a first exploration of the voice, uh, fostering the start of a, of a big passion right. and making sure that whatever we're doing, even if it's hard and it's really thoughtful, it's something that the child knows that they love, that right. they can continue to love and that where they have to focus is paving the way for even more enjoyment in their voice. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. 
Another part of singing that I feel like is normally super important is like enunciation and getting diction right and all of those things. So do you ever see like boosts in articulation after working with your students? Definitely. Yes, we definitely notice big changes in enunciation, in particular articulation with our students because it's really impossible to teach great vocal technique and avoid the concepts of articulation. Um, Essentially, my personal philosophy on teaching voice is that we can free the, the articulators, we can activate the articulators in a way that keep them engaged in enunciation, mm-hmm. but free them from detracting from our vocal freedom okay. to free up our voices. Right. And so part of the reason that is, is that, and most many people don't know this, is that we can't directly control and oftentimes we can't directly feel the activity of our vocal cords or our vocal folds, or the muscles inside of our larynx, which is where our vocal folds are. Right. So because of that, we have to find different, slightly more indirect ways to enact change in our vocal Mm -hmm. function. And the articulators are a great, they're great components that we can change. So we can change how open and released our jaw is. We can be really aware of our tongue, especially the tip of our tongue. We can make sure we're using our lips where we want to. So vocal technique, even just from a vocal function standpoint, rather than an articulation standpoint, is going to be focused a lot on the articulators, Um, certainly with our students. And I think that's pretty even across the board with singing instruction. Um, So along the way, we're learning about efficient articulation, clear articulation, but we're not even always talking about clarity of speech. And I find that that's a great way to build confidence in that zone for a student without ever having to even address it as a strength or a weakness. So as our students continue their voice lessons, I notice in their speaking and in their singing that they're more intelligible, they're clear, their voice flows really nicely. And sometimes they don't even realize that they've worked on those skills. They're just embedded and integrated. Wow. That is really cool. Um, And I feel like we have some students that work on articulation here at RLC that like I wonder if coming and doing voice work would be really beneficial for them. Um, And another way for them to have that practice um, in another fun and engaging way, like therapy can be fun and engaging, but like you were saying, most kids like to sing. (laughs) I haven't really (laughs) met many children that don't like to sing. So that could be another cool way to like get them, you know, working on their voice. So that's really cool. Yeah, that would be really interesting. And, um, The other added benefit of singing is that it's artistic, it's expressive, it's creative. In many ways, there are no boundaries. And so it's a sort of a sandbox where you can't do anything wrong. You can build up a sandcastle that you've never seen before, and you might be surprised that it's your best creation ever. And I wonder if um, some of these kiddos who are working on their articulation might find new connections in how to articulate that they wouldn't in a more specific structured environment where right. sometimes we'll do singing gibberish and right. who knows what's going to come out when we're just creating and being expressive and following right. those instincts. Yeah. That's really cool. I know we had talked about this before, but I've heard you worked with non-native speakers. So what was that experience like? Cause you know, language and speech and singing can all like go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting to work with groups of very young ages three to five 
um, non-native English speakers in early childhood music classes. It was very interesting. I learned a lot and it was extremely rewarding. So this was before I had founded WD Studio. This was through the tapestry program. um, That's part of the Washington Conservatory of Music in the DC area. And through that program, they have a partnership with the Montgomery Housing Project where they offer free early childhood music classes to these children of um, dominantly immigrant families. And it was a beautiful way to connect to these children, to share musical knowledge, but even more so to introduce them to culture that's around them and the language that's around them also. So we sang lots of songs about colors and feelings and seasons and holidays. And what was special was that I saw the kids learning about music. I saw them learning their voice and I saw them gaining confidence in their ability to express not only in English, but just to express things about themselves. So by combining language and music in the same learning environment, they were learning the language and they were, we were exchanging culture. I was learning about their culture and they were very confident expressing themselves. So the, the funniest moments would arise, which I'll never forget where once they mastered saying that they feel happy or they feel angry or they feel sad, they started inventing that they feel kitchen or they feel window or yeah. they feel catch up. And I knew that they knew that that was sort of nonsensical And that was a really exciting um, evolution to see that they were such masters of the the clarity that they were becoming comedians and being silly about (laughs) about the language because they knew what didn't belong and they knew how to employ that in a in a funny way. (laughs) So that was so great. Yeah. So I mean, it sounds like you found that your students kind of started grasping language a little more quickly after working with you. Would you say that's pretty accurate? Definitely, certainly. Yeah, that's really cool. And do you find that even with your, I mean, I'm sure you work with a lot of native speakers at the moment, but do you see um, your kids have more confidence um, in speaking after they start working with you? I do. And it it continues to surprise me because that wasn't personally part of my singing journey, but I see it time and time again with really with all ages. I have a couple students currently I can think of who have shared with me in the past month or so stories about how they were so surprised that they were able to present something in class without stuttering, without hesitating, without even feeling too nervous. And they gave the credit to that, to the work that they're doing in their voice lessons. I think there are many factors that go into this. And one of the big ones is that singing is an extremely vulnerable and oftentimes scary activity. And so by singing for somebody and sharing singing development with a trusted mentor week after week, you gain a lot of confidence in your ability to express yourself and in your sense of belonging also. Um, But also when you are used to stretching your voices far beyond the demands needed by everyday speech or even presentations, then conversation presentations, um, formal speaking seems not so intimidating and not so challenging. If you've been singing high C's or if you've stretched your voice into the cellar, if you've been belting out, let it go. Um, I have heard a lot about adults too, feeling much more confident in the workplace 
just from having sung. In students I've had where we've never talked about their speaking voice will come back and tell me that finally their patients understand them or wow. that they're expressing their emotions more accurately. So we see it with kids and we see it with adults. Wow. That's really cool. I mean, I think it's often overlooked. We have like a couple people that um, reach out saying like, hey, do you work with adults? Like I'm like starting to realize that I may have like a speech or a language delay. Um, and it's just, I think a lot of people think that you can't get over that at a certain age, but hearing this, I hope will like remind people that you can work on anything at any age and mm-hmm. you can see improvement in the way that you want to. So that is really cool. I hope so. I hope that this inspires some adults to, to yeah. explore whatever it is, even if it's to learn to play tennis like a pro, Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been amazing to, to inspire some adults and then see them. I can think of one student who started singing with us when she was 79. And after three months of voice lessons, her range had literally doubled and it kept going from there. Oh my gosh. That is incredible. (laughs) Wow. So it's never too late. Exactly. (laughs) Truly. Oh my goodness. And so I'm sure, I, I mean, I'm sure the answer to this is yes, but do you see like all of your clients have more confidence after they start working with you? Oh, yes. Yes. And that's really important. That's something that we measure. We, we check in with our students. We ask them, we try to keep, we try to keep track of confidence as much as one can measure in in unquantifiable because that is our number one priority tied with fun. Fun and confidence, fun. but they really yeah. go hand in hand. Right. <laughs> I think confidence feels fun. Really, truly embodied confidence is fun. And there's no way to get to know your voice and to develop your voice without also gaining confidence in your voice and therefore right. in yourself. For me personally, on my journey, I happened upon voice lessons when I was at an all-time low in confidence as a performer. And being able to develop tangible functional skills that were both technical and artistic continued to provide the confidence for me to continue performing, to continue pursuing my passion and my dreams. And that's probably the the primary motivation for me to continue being a voice teacher is to instill that confidence in others. And um, I love meeting students who already know that they want to gain confidence because then we can just skyrocket towards those goals. Yeah. Oh, that's so amazing. I love hearing that. And we see like similar things. The kids often don't come to us knowing that they want to gain more confidence. They just know that they're having problems reading. Um, But then we get to watch them like gain that confidence back. Um, And it's really rewarding. And then they often turn around and say like, I love reading now, right? Which you have your kids coming to you already saying that they love music, but it's just like, I'm sure the music, the love for music continues to grow. So that is really amazing to hear. That's amazing. That's amazing. And sometimes we're intimidated by the things that we love. Right. So I suspect that a lot of the kids that come in, they love to read and they certainly want to love to read Mm -hmm. and to be offered the tools to access that love with confidence is must be the most exciting feeling in the world. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause like I said, we, 
normally like reading therapy obviously takes a while because dyslexia is lifelong and we have other kids that come to us, but a lot of times it's kids with dyslexia. And so they get to a point where they're like kind of similarly said, like they're at kind of like an all-time low in their confidence level because they realize they're struggling. And then it takes a little while, like, you know, kids are normally with us for like two years. And then they finally realize, oh my gosh, I can read. Like I didn't have to doubt myself. And now I feel great. I read books all the time. I read books for fun. Like it's the best. So it's really cool to see. So I'm sure you get a similar feeling, especially I'm sure with your adults who have come to you and they're like, I want to sing, but I don't know. And they finally get to that point where they're like, oh, I can do this thing. Oh, it sounds like so much fun. Yes. It's a special (laughs) impact. And it's very, it's inspiring to hear about how that happens and what you all do as well. It's a lot of fun. And I wish I were the one doing most of it, but it's still fun to hear the stories about it <laughs> from all of our therapists. It's it's really, really cool. It takes a village. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, I think that was my last question for you. Do you have anything else you want to add? I don't think so. Okay. I could I could talk to you forever, Tristan. I could talk I to you Same. about singing forever. <laughs> Same. It would be the best. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was fabulous. And it was so wonderful to hear about WD Studio. So like I said, I'll make sure to link everything in the show notes so people can find you guys. Thank you. I really appreciate being part of this. Of course. Thank you so much to the audience for listening. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a little rating and review. It helps other folks find the podcast and we'll chat with you next time. 